I got a special episode for you today. Hi, it's Heike. I recently was invited to be a speaker on the Rock Your Midlife Summit, a summit helping women in midlife to embrace the second half of life with enthusiasm and joy. I love the summit as a participant too, as there were such great topics and a great variety of speakers. So there was something for every woman in midlife. We covered so much ground in the interview, everything from how to burn fat with intermittent fasting for women over 50, how Pilates helps you get strong and lean without your knees hurting, and how to prioritize your health goals to look and feel better. But we didn't stop there as I was able to share my stories around the empty nest and what I experienced and some strategies to thrive in an empty or soon to be empty nest. So let's dive in to the Rocking Midlife Summit. I'm Heike Yates, a fitness and nutrition coach with 30 years of experience. I empower women over 50 to take back their health and strength to lead a vibrant life. Right now, you're joined by thousands of women over 50 around the world who stop dimming their light and instead ignite their spark. On this podcast, I do what I do best, taking complicated information about fitness, nutrition, and mindset strategies and breaking it down into baby steps that are simple, actionable, and sustainable so you can implement them into your life. I regularly interview some of the most inspiring women who share their honest stories on how they went from their worst to their best life so that you know you're not alone in your struggles. Join me as we redefine what aging looks and feels like by taking action and saying, yes, I can. This is the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Hi, Kay Yates, beaming in from Hawaii. Look at that background. That's where she is right now. It's like, oh, it's like I've just got books and beautiful words. But um, she uh, is from the United States, originally from uh, uh, Germany, uh, but she's in uh, Hawaii right now, beaming into us. So hello. Well, Karen, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be part of the summit. And of course, also excited to share with you my background, which is a picture I took during one of our uh, vacation times here on the island, because we do a work and vacation retreat basically here. She was, Heike was just telling me that, she, you know, this is her holiday work home. And I'm like, oh, holiday work home in Hawaii. There's a goal for me. There's something to put on my bucket list, you know, my big, big audacious goals. So I'm like, I'll be there soon. <laughs> Please do. It is absolutely lovely. And I think this is one of the best things we've done now that we can all, for the most part, at least in my business as a fitness and nutrition coach, you can work remote. You don't have to be tied to a location. And people are always in awe when they say, well, how do you train people? And I say, well, I sit on the carpet and I have my laptop in front of me and I'll coach my groups. I coach my clients individually and I can be wherever I want to be in the world. and 
you can't guys can't see my view, but I'm looking out to the ocean over my laptop. Isn't that just the best time to work? Because you sit here, you type, you work, and then you look out and you go, oh, this is so good. That is just like beautiful gold. It's like, yes, put yourself in a position, a place that you feel great, that you can work. And I love that you can be able to do this fitness and nutrition and everything else uh, from home, that you're not having to run around after clients, go to a gym, and also that clients can do that too, that we can actually just be at home and work with you. So before we get into all of that, though, uh, I have a starter question. And we've been asking all our, our wonderful speakers this question. And so if you had an anthem, a theme song for your life, what might that be? All right. I'm an athlete, so I have many theme songs. When I go to races, I'm always like, this is my song. And when I thought, oh, what would be my song for a life theme? It's like the fight song. The way uh, by Rachel Platten, and I, I hope it's not taken by anybody just yet. <laughs> but when you think about when she sings about this is my fight song, this is my I fight for my life song, it means that not so much from a healthy perspective or from a, a being sick perspective, but from a perspective of, you know, take what you want. You make your life what you want it to be, not what norms tell you it should be or somebody else, like you said, you know, you don't have to run to a gym <clears throat> and do workouts with clients. I took that liberty and said, no, this is not what I want to be. And so I have to fight for this because it is so easy to fall into a rut and just abide by what the norm is or what's expected of us. So fight for what you want, especially now in the second half of our life, ladies, and perhaps some gentlemen who are joining us, that's the time now to make those dreams and, and the needs come true that are now obvious or, or that are presenting it themselves to us. I, I so hear you. You get one shot, shot at this life, right? It's like in, yep. this, in the second half, you know, it's like midlife. If we want to rock it, you've got to actually fight for what you want, be brave enough to stand up and go, this is what I stand for. And this is how I'm going to do it. We don't have to do the norms, as you say. Yep. And it's that the theme of the Rocket Summit is Rock Your Midlife Summit. It's just so perfect for, for the song I thought as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's gorgeous. Thank you so much. So I know you talk about empty nesters, being able to burn fat, intermittent fasting, keeping yourself, you know, well and healthy and prioritizing your health. So we're going to talk about that today, but I'm also really keen to talk about, you know, what was life like when your children left home and what, and how do you start a life without kids? Although I have to paraphrase this because my children are 19 and 21 and I can't get rid of them. I love them. So if you have any extra tips on how I can move them on faster, because I'm ready for that. But uh, I want to know, you know, what was it like for you when they left home and how did you renew and uh, re-energize yourself? Well, let me fast forward just a little bit and I come back to your question, Karen. My kids have turned a little bit into boomerang kids, as they're called now. My daughter has moved back in with us for the past two or three months. My son has lived with us for a month in between with his wife. So they all seem to be coming back. And I was I like, that oh, no, they're gone. 
And as much as I love him, but you get used to having your own life and your own schedule and, and your own rhythm. And then suddenly they're back and you're like, okay, do I go back in my mom role? So there's the syndrome now with the boomerang kids that our kids, mine, I should also say, are 30, almost 30 and 33. And uh, so what happened when they left home? I was divorced at that point. So I was a single mom raising mostly, mostly myself, the kids. And my oldest one went to college not too far away from home. And I had already at this point established my own interests as a single mom. I love to go dancing, so I danced salsa, and I established my new business in the fitness industry when they were four and seven. And so I had created my own little niche of what my life was like, and we all fitted in together. So I had my own interests. And when my oldest one left, I thought about this question, and I said, well, you know, always going, oh, yeah, this was fine. But when I th really think about it, I'm really honest. He moved out and my ex-husband and I, we dropped him off at college. And I basically gave him his stuff, looked at the room and I said, okay, see you later. I just left. And I was like, okay, this is great. He's moved on. And I, I put up a barrier, I think, of, of uh, this is great. He moved out. I won't miss him. Now, and you, I hope you guys get to smirk at least about this. Lo and behold, every weekend, Jesse, my son, showed up at home. And Let's I said, the washing. Yes. Oh, no. Mom, mom, I need to do laundry. I said, don't you have a washer at school? Yeah, yeah, but we need quarters and I never have quarters. Okay. Then he showed up again. I was like, don't you think you, you want to stay finally at school? And so... His coming back doing the laundry gave us both time to separate and to get used to that eventually he actually did the laundry at school and stayed at school. And we were able to, to, to create that balance that we both needed of that he's continuing starting his own new adult life. And I have only one child at home. And it made it a lot easier because he said, mom, I was so homesick. I was like, that's why you showed up every freaking weekend. And he says, yeah, I just want to be in my room and play Nintendo. And, you know, you have always good food and, and it was not far. And so we separated, we moved apart and he lived his life. So then I got to visit him. And like I said, he's, he was 45 minutes away. But then when number two went to college, she went oh, to a college that was four or five hours away from home. Same drill. We drove there, dropped her off. I'm like, ciao, I'm out of here. She's like, oh, I got this mom. And she had the hardest time to fit into the school. She was under depression. So she was trying to make it work, which made me worry that, that she couldn't find any friends. She couldn't sleep. She was so stressed out so that I wanted her to come home and just get a break. And I said, we need to figure out what, where you can go after a year. And so she sucked it up for a year to go to school. And I really felt so badly for her because I couldn't live this life for her. And she needed to make a choice and choose for her what she would do next and how much could she endure in that school. 
And so she did about a year, not about it. She finished one year. She was very like, I can do a year. And then she came back home. There they were, lived with me for a year, got her grades back up because her grades really suffered during that year of really depressed college. And then she she moved out again to do her own thing. Then she came back again. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if my kids, they must love it at home, but they keep coming back. <laughs> but I think one of the defining moments was, so they're all gone. They're all in colleges. They're all doing their thing. My son graduated college and he then eventually about a year later moved from the East coast of the United States to the West coast. And this is when we both really felt this empty nester syndrome, or I wouldn't want to call it a syndrome. It's just, it's, it's, it's just, my nest is really empty. And he says, mom, what are you going to do without me? And I was like, uh, I don't know. And he says, what do you always do, mom? I'm like, yeah, what I always do. I do my thing and you do your thing. But it was a really more a defining moment at that point that he left me behind on the East Coast and he moved on. Mm. But, but he knew that I had done all these other things aside from raising children. And I highly recommend this to any parent you have to carve out your interest niche. Make a little, a little space for yourself, for your interests. Don't all let it go because you're raising the kids, you're in the PTA. And, and I used to, I remember I used to be a soccer mom as in coaching soccer because nobody wanted to coach soccer. So here I was coaching soccer with another mom. But yeah, so carve out something that you always like to do. And then once they're gone, don't be feeling guilty that you took over their room because now my daughter's room is my office. <laughs> and many women have said, oh, I don't know if I can take over the room. It's their room. And when they come back, where should they sleep? And I'm like, well, there's a sleeping couch. Perhaps there's the guest room because why should the room be empty? And so now I have a beautiful office where I enjoy working and I made it my office. And when she comes now, like right now, she's in the guest room. And, but it's like this letting go business. Yeah, I think that's a really important point is to, while your children are still at home, to carve out some interest and do things for yourself. And that's that self-care and that, yes, you're a mother, a father, you've got all these different roles, but we actually also need to go, what is, who am I? and maintain our identity because I think as parents our identity sometimes gets a bit lost yeah very much so and then I see some of my clients who are like well what am I going to do now I I miss them so much I spend my whole life just catering to them what now mm. and it is so so important not to feel guilty that you take time for yourself because they will like my son said he's like Oh yeah, you're dancing salsa. Cause that was one, one thing that I really enjoyed during that time when they, you know, were during their college time that I would go out and learn salsa and do salsa classes and go salsa dancing. And he knew that this was important to me that I would do that on the weekends. And yeah, so I carve out something, whatever it's knitting. It doesn't matter what it is, but something that you, that's yours. That, that it's only you do it, not even your partner. It's just your thing with your girlfriends or whoever. But yeah. it's something that, 
that's yours. And for the guy, if there are any guys watching, my husband was a full-time dad for about eight years. And so I was working, I was traveling. I was still a full-time parent, but you know, I wasn't always here at home. And so he, but he found he lost himself in that. And it was really evident that he he felt like he was losing his manliness, I guess, for what of a better word. And so it's mm-hmm. exactly what he did. He went and said, I need to go and be part of the civil defense rescue team, so, you know, and do blokey stuff. Well, that's probably a very New Zealand word, uh, man, man stuff. And <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so he was, so he could feel like who he was and had something for himself. And so I learned from him very quickly that if that's what he needed, I also needed to be able to do that as well for me. So I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so important. And I found that my kids appreciated that time because I would come back a happier person because I love to dance salsa and I met all these wonderful people in, in the salsa meetup group and they all became my friends and I would have stories to tell and, and told them about the new moves, which they couldn't care less about my new moves that I learned in salsa, but it made me just happier, more fulfilled and not resentful of being a mom stuck at home, which is also what I see that women feel resentful that they were not able to do things for themselves, self-care. So carve out that niche and, and recognize it, that it's okay to do that. And the kids will love it. They'd probably roll their eyes and go like, whoa, that's what she's doing now? I think that's okay. It's great. it's great role modeling, right? Because that's what you want for your children. You want them yep. to be able to find their passions and excitements and, and not get lost into one role in their life, but have many, many different roles. So that is just beautiful. Thank you. So let's talk about intermittent fasting, because I know this is something that you talk about and it's really popular right now. Uh, so how can women... Uh, in midlife uh, incorporate this into their lifestyle? So intermittent fasting has gotten a good rap and a bad rap. The bad rap is that a lot of people believe intermittent fasting is a starvation diet. That you simply just stop eating and that's intermittent fasting. So that's the negative connotation that I keep hearing over and over. And when I talk about my, my program, where we incorporate intermittent fasting, it's the first thing is like, I'm not going to be hungry. I'm not going to be starving myself. And you and I try to explain that is not the case. The good thing about intermittent fasting is as we are approaching midlife, we're going through the changes, menopause, and especially during menopause, we're experiencing because of the hormone changes, so much more digestive issues much more bloating that's never been there before or food allergies that you never, I mean, I can tell from my own experience that I'm now allergic to carrots. And if I eat a lot of carrots, I am definitely not a happy camper. But so there is these two two camps. I started intermittent fasting about three years. I think it's about three years ago. And the reason I started it as an athlete, I, so I'm an Ironman triathlete. That means I run, bike and swim for a long distance. So up to 15 hours when I'm in a race, but I exercise a lot, not to scare anybody off because I'm not that specific to the, the intermittent fasting. But given the fact that 
I exercised so much. I should have been lean, no very little body fat, felt great. And the opposite, the opposite happened. I gained body fat. I wasn't feeling well. I felt bloated a lot of times. And that's when I came across intermittent fasting. And with everything that I teach, I test it first on my own. I do a lot of research before I go into it and then I test it. And then I see what does it actually do? Does it hold true to the promise or is it just a hoax? Is it something that is doable, which is super important to me? Is it something where I have to buy supplements? Is it something that I have to change my diet completely upside down? Is it something that I can't do for the rest of my life or is it? And so these are all big considerations in my programs too. Is it something that a woman that says, hi, I want to do intermittent fasting. How do I get started? The simplest thing to get started is don't change anything, but finish your dinner at 7 p.m. and then sleep through the night. So don't after 7 p.m., don't have your uh evening snack that you may have after dinner. So eat your dinner, be done by seven and then sleep through the night. And then maybe wait a little bit. Don't eat breakfast as soon as you get up, but maybe give it an hour and eat breakfast maybe at eight. I don't know when people eat breakfast because I don't eat breakfast anymore. It fits great for my style, for my lifestyle, but it is the easiest way to start intermittent fasting. And I'm not asking you to eat something different. I'm not asking you to stay on a certain schedule. All I'm asking you is not to snack after, after your dinner and wait a little bit in the morning and see when are you really hungry. I have been a fitness and nutrition coach for over 30 years. And for many, many years, I coached, just like many other people in our industry, Every three hours, you need to fuel that body. You have to have a snack, You two snacks a day, three meals, so and so much water. But the meals, this is how you eat. Otherwise, your body is not going to function. You're going to get tired. You are gaining weight and all these things. And through intermittent fasting, I actually learned that this is not the case, that we can wait a little bit longer to eat experience a little bit of that hunger and you say, oh, actually, I was never hungry at eight, but I always eat breakfast at eight because that's when I always eat breakfast. Mm. I actually could wait till 10. And then I was like, oh yeah, now I'm ready to eat. So we're creating through intermittent fasting also a uh, mindfulness of when we're hungry. And when we're looking at the population, food is at an abundance for many of us, although there's a lot of people starving, which is a whole different topic. But when you when I look here in Hawaii, the portion sizes are ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Their portion sizes are literally for two or three people. There's just I look at this and I'm going, this is all mine. And they're like, yeah, this is great. So immense portion sizes. But with that said, intermittent fasting can fit so beautifully in when you're traveling. When you're somewhere uh, like I'm on Hawaii, uh, it's like I don't have to eat at regular times. I can wait till we, I can make my lunch or we make our healthy dinner. And I can fit it into any schedule, whether you're working, whether you are working at nights, uh, whatever your day rhythm is. And that's different for everybody. So where to start. 
but the easiest is just sleep it through. Listen to your circadian rhythm. The, that will also teach you when you're hungry and you will not starve. That's the good news. I'm not saying you can't eat this. Don't eat that. It's simply just, just don't eat for a while. I've been doing that for about two years. So I, I do, I finish my evening meal at seven and mm -hmm. then nothing else. And it's around about eight or even nine o'clock in the morning when I have my breakfast. And yes, I start feeling at about half past eight-ish. I'm like, oh, I'm starting to feel hungry. And mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it's a challenge if I've got an early morning airplane flight or you know I have to be somewhere but I take my breakfast with me and have it yeah. before the meeting or have it before the presentation and uh, it's made a huge difference in my life and also as you say I've been able to recognize when I am hungry because I just used to eat in fact I used to eat all the time and now mm -hmm. and I have my three meals a day and that's it but yeah. I think uh, you probably agree Heike that uh, there's not one size fits all because some people are going to need to eat earlier. Some people can wait till later. Yeah. And some, some of my friends who practice intermittent fasting, they actually have their three meals, but they eat dinner at four. That's when they eat their dinner. And that works for their rhythm. Some people eat, have a longer time, like my fasting window, I fast from 7 PM till the next day, 12, 12 o'clock or one o'clock the next day. And that works well for me because then I'm busy, I'm working out before I eat. So I'm working out in a fasted state, which is another awesome experience because it helps you burn more fat and boost your metabolism to exercise before you uh, fuel the body again with more glycogen. And, but other people do better on a shorter window or a longer window. And we're not talking about full day fasts. And that's something that I want to clarify too, because people say, oh, you're not eating all day. No, no, no. If you are a beginner faster, want to try it out, this is definitely not something I would say you should try. And I always compare this with, if you've gotten a colonoscopy, which we all should at this age bracket at some point, at least in the United States, you know, you're not eating for a whole day. Do you starve to death? No. Do you feel tired and weak? Yes. Do you have some cravings? Absolutely. But you know, it's for a good cause. But that's a different, altogether different beast. And there's much more advanced fasting techniques. And that is something that we're not talking. We're talking about intermittent fasting that you decide on fasting hours and feasting or eating hours that work with your lifestyle. Yeah, that is, that is wonderful. I know it's definitely been a game changer for me. My energy levels are higher. My focus is better. Just so much in my life has changed just from that one implementation. So fabulous. So ladies, uh, give it a go. Contact Heike. She can uh, help you along the process, which will be great. But tell us about exercise then, because not all of us are iron women. And what are some of the best exercises for women over 50? This is the most asked question that I get. What is the best exercise for women over 50? Well, we're looking into a whole different gamut of how our body functions. Mm -hmm. uh, we're looking into 
that we're more tired, that we're not sleeping, that we have night sweats, that we uh, have less energy because of all the hormone changes. But we're also talking about achy joints and knees because of the hormone changes and the aging process. I mean, my knees hurt at times too, but I know what I need to do for my nutrition from a point of nutrition to help my body recover and be smart about the exercises. So ladies, the best, absolutely top best exercise you can do for a woman over 50 is do what you love doing. Yes. And that, inc and that includes walking. I am a huge fan of Pilates and I've been teaching Pilates for over 20 years. But if you prefer yoga, do yoga. If you prefer water aerobics, I just did a session the other day in the pool by myself. And do what you love doing and do it. Don't, don't put yourself down saying, oh, I just walk. This walking is great. You're outside, you get some sunshine, you get to see other people, you get fresh air. It's, it's just fantastic. But be consistent in what it is. One of the things I want to add to that is that we need to watch out for bone density at this age as well. And we need to stay stronger because as we're aging, and I see it with clients that are way older than us that I'm working with, the trouble in walking, the trouble in sitting down and getting up and balance. These are all factors that we definitely need to consider that you say, okay, Pilates is a thing I want to try. And I got some videos where you can just test it out and see if, it, if you like it. And if you don't, it's okay too. But we need some resistance training. I mean, I'm not saying necessarily, because I always hear this, I, get, I hate push-ups. I was like, okay, then let's not do push-ups. <laughs> yeah. But there are, there are bands, there are, are other things we can do weights if you had or, or water bottles that you can do exercises with but we need to worry about our bone density walking uh running biking are a great ways to improve bone density because of the impact biking not as much but more running and walking but you need to do something for the entire body and the lean muscle mass that we want to develop in order as we get older to be stronger and be more functional. As much as we hate to think about that, we're getting older, but it also looks better. It looks so much better when your body is toned and think about it that way. Our skin becomes more elastic and we have less muscle tone as we're aging because of sarcopenia, our muscle amount of muscles reduces. And we're pushing a rock up the hill, but it's worthwhile because you want to be strong. You want to be able to, to pick up things or grandkids or move furniture around or schlep your suitcase. And this, you know, I always think of the woman that's in the aisle in the airplane and she has a carry-on and she's struggling getting this thing overhead. And then the guys are all gentlemen, of course, and they put it back up. And I'm thinking, you would really benefit from some strength training. <laughs> Absolutely. I have a, a mentor and a fitness coach who always says, lift heavy things. She says, ladies, how heavy is your handbag? You, you lug that around every day. And she says, don't let the guys pick up the heavy things for you. Pick up the groceries and uh, take them inside. You know, walk them up the stairs if you've got stairs. But she says, do the heavy lifting because that really does help. So I totally agree. Yep. And it packages all together because when we think of 
of the best exercise, yes, we do love one thing, but think, does it incorporate everything that you need? Like balance, like you said, you have a coach. Balance is something that I have seen decrease mm -hmm. in the population much younger than us. In their 20s and 30s, I see people that can't stand on one leg and for for extended period of time. So you're thinking about balance that helps, good balance helps us prevent falls, bone breakage, hip issues. So there's a whole package to think about, but I don't want to scare you away. Stick with what you love doing and explore. And maybe this year would be a good year where you say, oh, I always wanted to do that trampoline class just to make something up. <laughs> Try it out. You may love it. You don't know. I, I just love that, that you choose what you uh, like. You're not saying you have to do this and you have to do that. Choose what you love, because I see so many people out exercising with a big frown on their face. And it's like, oh, I'm doing this for my mental health or my world. And they're not enjoying it. And it's like I go out there with a big smile on my face and people must think I'm strange, but I do what I love as well. So uh, that is, is just beautiful advice, because if you love it, then you're going to have so much more benefit. Yep. And, you know, if you are not an exerciser, anybody who's listening to this, if you're not an exerciser and you'd rather sit on a couch and read, I can't make you exercise. But why don't you get off the couch just a little bit more? I can't motivate you to go to a class or do some form of exercise. I get it. But just get off the couch more often. And, and you'll feel better, you'll breathe better, your posture will get better. And nobody expects you to become an iron woman or join an exercise class if that is not your thing. But please, please get off the couch. Yeah, just do something for a little bit of time. Yeah, that you love. I love that. Yep. So what about embracing this aging process in a positive way? Because many of us are like, oh, I'm getting more wrinkles and oh, the whole menopause and all oh, this. And there's so not much negativity about getting older. So what are some of your suggestions about how we can be more positive? Just don't listen to them. <laughs> Bottom line, we live, <laughs> we live in a society that does not appreciate old age. If we were in a different society, in an Asian society, people would appreciate our wisdom, our smartness, our knowledge, but we're not. So with that said, ignore what they're saying and when you look in the mirror don't look at the negative things in your body because we all get wrinkles love the wrinkles some have more than others but oh well i mean you can always fix them not that i'm encouraging you to get things fixed but happiness comes from the inside mm. who are you here in your heart in your feeling how do you feel about yourself if you feel confident, happy, self-assured, and you want to take on the world, do you think you care about some flabby skin? I bet you not. You'd be more, you'd be happier to say, ha, huh, this was like you said, Karen, this is a great day. I'm out here. I'm smiling. I'm going for my hike. World is amazing. Don't let others drag you down. Don't let the social media images, and I keep fighting this every day where all the, the toned bodies and the, 
the lean bodies and the, oh, look at me, I'm 60, I'm rocking my abs and I have no flabby skin and, and my eyes don't have. I mean, if you guys see me today, I didn't bring any makeup. I did the best I could do with my hair. I have bags under my eyes, but oh, well, I am also 60, so big deal. Don't look at the external as much. You want to be fit. You want to be healthy. But if you carry a couple more pounds on your body, so what? If you feel great, if you have good energy, if you can do the things that you want to do in life, then you will be happy. Then you will feel great about who you are and not what your skin looks like. Mm -hmm. So stop listening to all this nonsense and, you know, this ageism that we're now old and we should be looking a certain way. We can't. We're all different bodies. We're tall. I mean, I'm relatively tall. Other people are way shorter. And I always find it cute or funny that when I teach my clients exercises and I would demonstrate and I said, huh, you can't do this. Let me see. Oh yeah. Your arms are shorter than mine. Oh, Right. Yeah. That's why this doesn't work. So we're all different. Absolutely. I read a quote the other day that said maturity is when you are, are comfortable and love the negative things about yourself or have compassion about the negative things about yourself. And I thought that is so true. When we get to midlife, it's like just loving all of us. Yeah. And I think the negative things that there's, in my opinion, there's nothing negative about ourselves. Nice. We tend to adopt others' judgment mm. about us. And that is the negativity that we, is brought to us and that we're adopting, which there is nothing wrong. There's nothing needs to be fixed. There's nothing that you could do better. You do the best you can with where you are in life and what you have. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Heike, tell us about, I'm interested in your Spark philosophy, like really quickly. Can you tell us what Spark is about? It's just live out loud. No, this is the, this is the short, short version. Yeah. The Spark method is a five-step method that goes for all my programs that I'm teaching. So I'm using that as a foundation. And basically each letter stands for something and the s stands for scan and in short it's like your why it's basically what are your goals why you're doing something when people come to me and say oh just recently i got an email that said hi i'm 53 i want to lose weight what can you do for me <laughs> what can you do and i wrote <laughs> and i wrote back here's a questionnaire would you please fill it out so i actually know who you are and I never heard back. So we, interesting, right? It's not just, okay, give me a program. Give me a meal plan, which I don't do. Give me a, a done for you program. I don't do that either unless I know specifically who the client is and who the group is. But I go by, let's, let's look at why you're doing something. Why do you want to lose weight? Why do you want to get in shape? What is the real reason? Is that that your husband says you have a muffin top or your kids were poking your butt and said, hey, you got a flabby butt, mom. All happened. And, you know, so we're scanning. We're looking first. We're, we're, we're getting the, the building block of our method. Then we plan. 
So once we know the why, once we know what we got, and then we say, okay, let's plan based on your goals. And a goal that I often get is I want to lose 50 pounds. It seems to be the magic number. And then it's, it's like, okay, why do you want to lose 50 pounds? How do you think this is supposed to go? How do you, how do we structure this for you? You know, is it, is 50 pounds a realistic number or is it just a number? And which is often the case, it's a number that's just made up that sounded good. Mm. And I was like, this has nothing to do with reality. So we're clarifying this. And then we put all this knowledge together and we pump it up and then we say, okay, here is the plan for you at the moment. This is in the A, the Amplify space. So we're putting it all together. We're blowing it up. We're saying, okay, this is our framework of where we're going to start with you. And then we're like, okay, that sounds like a good plan, but what could be some of the roadblocks? What could happen that holds you back? Like a coworker who brings M&Ms to work all the time. That's a roadblock. I love M&Ms. So if M&Ms look at me, I look at them and they're in my tummy. <laughs> So overcoming those roadblocks is how can I help you be more successful and how can we deal with things when they don't go so well? Because then at this stage, I often get the, it didn't work. I, I couldn't do it again. This plan is not working for me. And I want women not to stop then and say, okay, let's throw this away and I'm not good at this. You are good at this, but we need to break it down into these bite-sized pieces where now you can say, okay, I know that coworker, let's get the M&M's thing going, the M&M person, you say, you know what? Let's just bring in some apples or oranges or nectarines instead. Here's my goal. This is what, pull them in and say, hey, can you help me with this? Because I really, I look at those M&M's and they're just in my tummy and I just can't help it. Yeah. And then the final stage is where we, what I loved, is we kick ass and we put the pedal to the metal and we test what we created. We're designing a consistency through the final step. And then we go back and we reevaluate. Did those things that we implemented in first place actually work? Where do we need to go back and, and re-educate or change things because they didn't fit in the lifestyle that we designed for that particular person. And so the SPARK method I found is very helpful through all my programs when I say here, this is how we start. Let's do some mind work. Let's Then let's put some plan together that's for you. And uh, that's the SPARK method. That's awesome. I love that. So to scan, to uh, plan, to amplify, to get rid of the roadblocks and to kick ass. Kick, kick booty. <laughs> Did you say kick butt? I don't know. Kick, <laughs> kick whatever. <laughs> so it's like kicking gear. Kicking <laughs> into gear. Fantastic. So that's a wonderful formula. Heike, as we begin to finish up, are there any final quick tips you want to share with our midlifers who are watching? Oh, there's so many things I want to share. But the most important thing is stay positive, stay the course, stay consistent, don't let others bring you down, surround yourself with a positive community. If you have somebody who's a naysayer for your health and fitness goals, get away from them as far as possible and trust that you have enough 
You don't need more than you have. You don't need extra this and that and the other. It's already here. All you need to do is unlock that confidence and go for it. Beautiful. We have a final question that we've asked everyone, and that is, what are you reading? What are you listening to? What is, you know, maybe you're watching something that's really inspiring you right now. We, I'm on vacation, so I'm looking at the ocean that's really inspiring me. <laughs> but I thought about that question, and I'm listening to books. So I have, I do audio books because I can fold my laundry and I do dishes and all this. And one of the books that really inspired me is called Before We Were Yours by Lisa Wingate. And it's a, it's based on a true story of children that were stolen from poor people's homes and put into a foster home. And they tell the story of a little girl and her siblings of how they were basically stolen and were forced to go to other families and they knew they still had families and they're like, they don't want you. And, and uh, how they persevered and how they helped each other and connected in the end and found their parents and, and saw what had happened, but how they persevered through these tough times and with, with a good happy ending in, in a sense that the siblings found each other, at least the ones that were alive, but to, to be stolen from, from somebody that you love because you're poor and, and then basically sold off in, in, from a home, it's such a good book. I highly recommend it. It's, it's, it may make you cry, but it's because it is a true story and that story happened. I'm not sure what, what the, Somewhere in the U.S., what county was in the 1950s, that was a big practice that blonde girls and boys were found to be adopted by those new parents. And that's why it was before we were yours. What, who were we then? And who, who did we go back to learning about ourselves? It, it's just a wonderful, wonderful, inspiring story. We will, I'll be putting that on my, my to-read list. And unfortunately, that story is actually echoed in countries all around the world. In New Australia, they call them the stolen generation. And in New Zealand, we have our own stories uh, very similar. So, But wonderful to be able to connect with people who have been through that horrific process but then found themselves again. So I'm keen to uh, add that to my reading list. Thank you so much for your time, your energy, your, your simple wisdom. You know, I was coming into this interview going, you know, is she going to tell us we have to do this and this and this and this? And it's like, and it's like, I feel so free. It's like, there are no rules. There are, you know, you don't have to do anything. Do what you love, you know, make it simple, make it work for your lifestyle. So uh, those are just gold. So thank you so much. You're most welcome, Karen, and thank you so much for having me. And, and this is what I love. I love simplicity, actionable steps that are not scary. Oh, and I forgot to say that you've got your five for 50. What is it? The, oh, the five for 50 Kickstarter for women that want to start out with their nutrition and their fitness goals and really don't know where to start. It's a simple, quick read with actionable steps of where you can start. We do not talk about intermittent fasting in that because if you're just starting out learning to 
perhaps add exercise or trying to figure out we don't need to add more to the plate but simple quick steps that you can start today so it's not something where you have to go out and buy groceries or buy a gadget or anything like this so it's called the five for 50 kickstarter and you can get it on my website or at hikinggates.com or i don't know where you guys put the link well as we finish up this interview and the go to the Facebook page, we'll have all the links there. We'll have all the information. You can start talking about your stories. Where are you? How, what exercise are you loving? Are you trying the intermittent fasting and how's it working for you? You can ask questions and just share in that amazing community that we've been building over the last few weeks and particularly the last few days. So I, Thank you so much, Heike, one more time. And everybody else, go out and rock your midlife.